everyone. Welcome to the Let It Be podcast. I'm your host, Becky Ziegenfuss. Each show, I share conversations around purpose and promise. We talk about friendships, family, faith, all the favorite things. Make this your time. So whatever you have to do, let it go, let it wait, let it be. Hello there, and welcome to the Let It Be podcast. My name is Brandis, and I'm your guest host for the week. Today, I have the pleasure to talk with a very special guest named Becky Ziegenfuss. If you're tuning in, you likely know Becky as the grace and grit behind this podcast. But depending on where you know her from, you might also know her from one of the many roles she plays as a pastor's wife, a business professional, a mom, a friend, or something entirely different. Since launching this Let It Be podcast over two months ago, so many of you have written and asked for her story and sent specific questions in, including whether or not she would be interviewed on here. Well, this week is her birthday week, and one of her wishes is to continue to pour into each of you as listeners. So we thought it would be fun to get her on the other side of the mic so you can hear from her about her. So let's get it started. Here's what I'd like to do, Becky. I am so excited to be here today. Me too. (laughs) And I don't know if it's as nerve wracking on that side of the microphone as it is on this. (laughs) It totally is. But we're just going to go with it. Yeah, we will. It'll be good. It's so funny because every time I have guests in here, most of the time they're like extroverted people who have jobs, roles, positions in front of others. And there's just something about sitting down when your your voice is amplified that all of a sudden it's like, oh. And when you're talking about yourself. Right. Exactly. Well, that is what we are going to be doing today. So I want to really rewind to the beginning of Becky oh. and go in chronological order just so that your listeners can learn a little more about you. And also I have some fun questions that they sent in okay. that I want to rapid fire at the end. Okay. So how about you start by telling us where you're from? I'm actually from here, the Cincinnati area. I grew up, well, the first 10 years of my life were on more of the west side of Cincinnati, the Pleasant Run Farms, which is just kind of near the Forest Park area. And my dad was a pastor at a local church here for my entire life. And my mom was a teacher and she taught in just a couple of the school districts around here. But when she got a job with Lakota, when it was just this tiny little school district, we moved to Westchester. And that's where I spent the second half until college. And then my husband and I lived in Liberty Township and then we moved to Mason and that's where we are now. And what was life like growing up as a daughter of a pastor and a teacher? Uh, um, very observed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a, it was great. I, I really had the most loving home and we had a great church. I was fortunate. Our church was really large. And so we had this huge youth group that I was able to be a part of, but it did come with the challenges of the life of a teacher's kid. You're kind of in the spotlight when you're at school. Mm-hmm. And then on the weekends, which is the downtime, Mm -hmm. you're in the spotlight when you're at church. Mm -hmm. So it was a very different home probably than most people would be able to even envision or imagine. But it was it was really loving and um, it was good. It was good. And you also had siblings. I have one sister who's just a little bit older than I am. So it was just the two of us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we my mom she had one brother who never had children. So we were like the only grandkids. It's, we have, I have a very small family on my mom's side. So 
and they're all still close here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. My extended family's here. That's great to be surrounded by them. It has. It's been great. And I'm sure as a daughter of a pastor, you got questioned all the time about your story on how you became a follower of Christ. So tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I think growing up, you go to, you have opportunities to go to like Christian camps or Mm -hmm. I went to a Christian college and there were many opportunities where people would share their stories. And the ones that grab your attention are the ones where you've just seen the redemptive hand of Jesus Mm -hmm. in their lives. And I remember growing up um, really into my adult years feeling like I had a very vanilla testimony. (laughs) And in some ways it can feel like, oh, I don't have like a lot to share. But as I've kind of grown into my faith walk, even as that continues, as I get older, I've come to really appreciate the grace that God had over my life. And the fact that I really found Jesus at a very young age And for whatever reason, and I can't say it has been anything other than his grace and him providing, like I said, a great home and great people around me that I have followed him the majority of my life. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a story that is um, really transformative from Mm -hmm. a, I was this and now I'm this perspective. Mm -hmm. But I think that is my story that, that the grace of God And the people that he surrounded me with and the way he wired my heart, um, I've just always kind of walked closely with him. And I've seen that side of obedience too. Not that the stories of redemption aren't amazing and have their their place in the kingdom. For sure they do. Um, But so do the ones that are a little more vanilla. Totally. And I think that if everyone's story was the same, that wouldn't be very exciting either. So it's good to be on one side or the other of the pendulum or maybe in between. So yeah, that's one thing that I've really discovered as I've had more opportunities to talk with people and hear their other walks Mm -hmm. of life is that God really does give us a story in order to shine the light on him for someone else who is walking the same path that we have walked. For sure. That's awesome. And so about how old were you? Um, gosh, I was little, I mean, five, six, my, my dad totally would know because he still has like a reminder in his phone. I remember it was in March. I remember that March 27th, I remember the date, but I can't actually remember the year. That's cool. And you mentioned growing up in a house that has a lot of eyes on you as a teacher's kid and a pastor's kid. Yeah. Now here you are with three kids that are pastor's children. (laughs) What are the intentional things that you do with them to help relieve that pressure? Or is there advice that you give them that maybe some listeners would benefit from hearing? Mm, That's a really good question. I think that, first of all, I think that the big C church as we know it today looks a lot different than it did 25, 30 years Mm -hmm. ago. And I think that there are a lot more freedoms that those who follow Jesus walk in today. Um, when I grew up and it, it wasn't really just my family, it was a lot, a lot of families in the circle that we walked in, um, didn't do a lot of kind of the milestone things that you go through in high school. And, um, I'm, I didn't go to prom. Right. I didn't do some of those milestone things. Right. And I think that there has been a, a shift in 
the the church where there's more freedom mm-hmm. to say, you know what, I can still do the my kids can still yes. do those things and still follow Jesus yes. and live in a way that's worthy of him. Um, Mm, so I think for our kids, we have tried to be intentional that just because they were born into the home of a pastor doesn't mean that they're any less of a sinner than anybody else. And so although we have expectations for them as our children, we've been intentional that our expectations don't hinge on the fact that they're pastor's kids, Mm -hmm. but they just hinge on the fact that we are, we are, doing our best to instill the principles of Jesus into them, knowing that they may make a decision that grieves our hearts and grieves our Lord's hearts one day, heart one day. And um, we've tried to be intentional to not put extra pressure on them. And that's so good. I think that, I think that they feel that I don't think they feel if anything, I think they would feel the pressure of maybe the schedule of as faithful as we are to our commitment to mm-hmm. the church. Um, but I don't think. Which that, looks like what? Well, up until this point, because now we do have a driver mm-hmm. up until this point, anytime we needed to be at church, they needed to be with us mm-hmm. because they didn't have the freedom of getting themselves there and back without right. us. So I think that is, there have been times still, and there still will be where, Perhaps we as a family have been invited to do something on a weekend that we, we have to say no to mm-hmm. because Sundays are not a, an optional day yeah. for us. And that has been a challenge um, and an adjustment at times for them. But now that we do have a driver, there is some more freedom mm-hmm. in, you know, okay, they don't have to be at all the gatherings. Mm-hmm. They can go home after one. Yeah. They can come and serve at one and stay if they want or, or whatever it's, there's a little bit more freedom there. Um, yeah, that's probably been the the biggest challenge has just been the schedule of it more than anything else. I think that'd probably be a good question for them. (laughs) Well, I think that you do an awesome job with that. And I think that the kids have always had, from what I can tell a great attitude about it. You know, I see them working on their homework there. They seem to really roll with it with a positive attitude. So that is a true testament to both you and Andy. You know what else though? It's also a testament to our house as a church Mm -hmm. that the people that are surrounding them don't have different expectations for them either. And I think, again, I think that has been a shift in in the church in the last few decades that there has been... And I think maybe it might be that people have come to a place where they're more open about brokenness Mm -hmm. and about areas where they've fallen and where God has restored them, that there's not the same level of keeping choices secret and decisions secret and brokenness secret. And and so there's freedom in realizing that every child is a sinner, when they're brought into this world yep. and it doesn't matter who your parents are and it doesn't matter what you do to pour into them at the end of the day, they're still going to make the choices that are going to make. Right. And we're just praying that they're ones to honor the mm-hmm. Lord. Yep. Oh, well they are all showing up well, so well. Thank so, you. I love that. So now if we move into, you were here in the Lakota area yep. and then you decide, you know, high school, was, you know, you mentioned some of your experiences from high school. And so now you decide you're going to college Yep. and mm-hmm. you chose a Christian college. I did. 
So Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about, was that a decision that you made? Was that one that was expected? And where'd you go? Yeah, Uh, maybe a little bit of both. I went to a large public high school. And like I said, I had a great youth group, which I felt like was kind of the saving grace for me. Mm -hmm. And the majority of our youth group, we all went to the same high school. So we truly did life from Sunday to Sunday together. Um, But... I, Cedarville University is about an hour north of here. And so it was a a university I was already familiar with because there had been a few kids from our church who had gone there. And I wouldn't say, I never felt the pressure from my parents to go to a Christian school, but I know, and I don't, we never like sat down and had a talk, but I know my parents always felt like we will do everything in our power to send you away to a Christian school if that's what you want. Or if you want to go to a state school, we might really encourage you to live at home and commute. Um, mm. for a couple of different reasons, sure. it, it, financially, sure, and then, um, just the, the pressure and the choices that are a little more challenging yes. in a different environment. And for me, it, it, it took no convincing. I loved those four years at a Christian school. For me, it was, everyone says, Oh, you were four years in a bubble. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I loved that bubble. <laughs> I, I really felt like it was, um, that I had found my people. An awesome environment. An awesome environment where I had found people who thought I wasn't the fish going upstream against all the other fish that were swimming the other direction, which was how the majority of my life had been. Mm-hmm. Cause like I said, I had really chosen to live a life that followed Christ yes. and the ways of him. And to have those four years where I was finally swimming in the same direction yeah. as anyone else, it, as everyone else, it was, it was just refreshing. It was mm-hmm. a breath of fresh air and it really was preparation for the world for mm-hmm. me. So, um, I went to Cedarville and I met Andy there. Okay. So. Well, that's a major part of your story. It is a big part of my story. So how did you, when and how did you meet? There. Yeah. Uh, we met my freshman year. Um, I actually remember I had a, one of my girlfriends there, we had met right away, become really quick fast friends. And she was singing our freshman year. They had an on-campus Sunday evening because you had Sunday night church, (laughs) Sunday evening church there for any students who didn't have a car. They wouldn't have to go anywhere. And they had a student-led band and she sang in the band. And of course, Andy played guitar. So he sang in the band and she first mentioned him. And then we ended up having tennis class together. I think it was spring... (laughs) my freshman year. So we took tennis, tennis together. Class. Mm-hmm. It was one of those required physical fitness classes. <laughs> That's awesome. So we met in tennis class and we just became friends. But honestly, he was an engineering major at the time. And at that point, I had really felt like God was pulling me to ministry in some capacity. And so my my avenue of choices were very narrow, was very mm. narrow. And what did so. that pull feel like? Yeah. I remember it. I remember it specifically was at a Christian camp my senior year of high school. And I just, it was just one of those nights where I felt like, you know, it had been an emotional night where we were challenged to make decisions and to be just praying through whatever it was, whether it was future relationships, whatever. And I just really remember a stirring and a pulling on my heart that God wanted me in some capacity to be 
in ministry. I didn't know what that looked like at first. I really thought that maybe I would be a counselor and go into like Christian counseling. I didn't know if that meant that I would marry into it, which I actually swore I would never do having grown up in a pastor's <laughs> home. Um, yeah, but it, it, I can't say it was a specific calling for this road, but there was definitely a, a tug for sure. So, and I didn't know what that was going to look like, but I didn't think an engineer was in my future. Nothing against engineers. And when Andy, I feel like I might have heard a different version of your story from Andy. Oh, so, oh what was his? <laughs> did it involve a guitar and a bench? It, it did. It involved a guitar and a bench. So I'm going to go with it probably was Mine tennis was class. De- it was definitely tennis. And he might be sprucing it up a little it. bit. Yeah. Just, just to clarify, since I mentioned a guitar and a bench, um, there was this bench outside of the freshman dorm where he would, uh, he's going to kill me, where he would sit and strum his guitar for all the ladies that walked by. And I'm sure he thought that I was one of them at his feet, just listening to him sing, you know, the praises of the Lord. Well, <laughs> it was tennis class. Little did he know it was going to be tennis. That is funny. So when you and Andy started dating, did you yeah. both know that you were going to do ministry? Yes, because he had come back from a missions trip that summer. Um, It was the summer before our junior year. He had gone on a missions trip to Australia with a team from our university. Mm. And God had really, really captured his heart that summer. And so when he came back, I ended up seeing him at the end of that summer. I had visited my roommate, the same one that had first introduced us. And they lived kind of close to each other. And so we met up with him and one of his friends. And... It was a, I vividly remember, it was a fun night, but I just remember the end of the night, which is so, it's kind of crazy and cheesy to look back on. But the four of us just really shared like what we'd learned that summer. And he was just on this spiritual high after getting back from this. He was on fire. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I remember we sat in a circle and we held hands and we prayed, the four of us. And it was, yeah. And then we started dating right after school. I mean, we had like maybe another month before we were back at college and we started dating pretty soon after the start of that year. And yeah, I knew that if we were going to end up together, that we would be doing ministry together. Yeah. And so from college, then where did you and Andy go? We stayed here for a year and he did an internship at my parents' church and then really felt like, um, Andy's got a, pretty great brain. And he really felt like God was calling him to go to seminary and to really build that foundation for ministry in the future. And so we did end up moving to Florida. He started at a bad place to move. I know it's true. Um, Especially for a girl who likes the sun sun and the warmth. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) We lived there for two years. He started, it was kind of a weird path that took us there, but, um, we were at a church down there and he started at an extension of Dallas Theological Seminary down there. He did two years down there and then his degree was getting shifted to the main campus of Dallas. Mm -hmm. And, um, we were able to actually move back here and he finished his degree at Southern Seminary in Louisville. So it was kind of a weird first Hmm. couple years of marriage, but we made some lifelong friends and it was good. It was really sweet. And when he was in seminary, what were you doing? I had started pretty much right out of college in sales for a pharmaceutical company. Mm -hmm. And again, like the Lord just worked it out. I had started in Cincinnati. I was able to go head to Florida, stay with the same company in the same division, 
representing the same products while we were down there. And um, then when we came back here, I had a little career shift and actually worked in a local school district as a third grade teacher. Yeah, that was a hot minute of my life. And Andy finished up his degree and then I ended up going back into the corporate world in, in pharmaceuticals. So, yeah. I'm sure some people are sitting here going, wait what? a second, <laughs> she was a teacher? <laughs> That's for a separate conversation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to let that lie. And I, we'll just there, say- I mean, there's nothing negative about it. It was... It was seriously at a time, again, so long ago when the whole concept of like job sharing or part-time work Mm -hmm. wasn't even a reality. And I knew that if we were going to be in ministry, um, I really felt like I probably would be doing something work-wise. And I was like, well, my mom was a teacher. My dad was a pastor. That was a really good path to follow to also have a family. And so while I was getting my, while I was working, I was getting my master's in education yeah, sure. It was a, um, but it was a very clear direction that that was not my long time calling. So a little venture off the path. But sometimes that has to happen, right? Yeah. I mean, you had a great opportunity to stay with a company when you were down there yeah. and then there was something stirring you yep. and you tried it and it wasn't the right door. Right. And so I think that's, although it's kind of a funny detail yeah. of your story, <laughs> It is a really great yeah. example for a lot of people that it's okay to try and to decide that that's mm-hmm. not the right thing. And sometimes those decisions bring clarity into what you're really, the path you're really supposed to be on. Which totally. It did that for me. Now, I know that for most churches that I've been a part of, the pastor's wife usually supports the ministry. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you've always been very busy on the side, you know, yeah. doing a side hustle yeah. or, you know, not just a hustle, but a full-time career. Yeah. So if you've mainly been in pharmaceuticals, tell us just about that career path for yeah. you. What, what drives you into that? What mm-hmm. motivates you to do that? Yeah. Um, well, I've always, I really have always had this, the way my heart has been knit together has been to help people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's funny, I always say that it's more of like persuasive education versus like the hard sell. Sure. And it's very relationship oriented. So all of those things fit me just right. And um, I kind of, I, it wasn't something I set out to do, but my, who I would call my business mentor, who the Lord has allowed like our lives to intersect again and that his family's at our church now, was really the one who kind of introduced me to it years and years ago. And so the beauty of what I just mentioned with teaching and deciding, nope, that wasn't the path I was going to stay on, was that after we had our second daughter, the Lord opened up an opportunity for me to job share. And from the time that she was six months old until, wow, so that would have been like 2006, and to 2014, I was able to job share. That's and amazing. And it was amazing. So for me, it was the Which perfect. Which then it wasn't a very common no, thing. No, no. My manager fought for it and got it to happen. And it was so, it was such a gift to me because it allowed me to be a little bit out still in my career, stay home with the kids and still be involved in my husband's ministry. It's so amazing. Yeah, it was a real gift. I did not go back to work full time until Drew was in kindergarten. Yeah. Was there ever a time in the journey to Florida, back here, where you and Andy said, we're not sure that ministry is the right path for us? 
I don't know that we've ever said ministry is not the right path, but I know there are times just probably like everyone goes through mm-hmm. that are trying times where you think, I wonder if we would have done something else, mm-hmm. what our lives would look like. Sure. Um, but then at the same time, I think if we ever had made that choice, we would be fighting our way to get back into ministry. Totally. Because that's where our hearts are. That's awesome. Now, I know that you mentioned the kids and here we are in your setting with three kids that are mm-hmm. school aged yeah. in quotation marks. What does it mean to you to be in the role as a mom? Ooh, okay. I was just thinking about this yesterday that I was thinking about my girls um, because they're at the age now where I'm really enjoying their friendship mm-hmm. and they're 16 and 14 and we're just at a place where I really, I've, I've always loved their friends, but because they're older and you can have older conversations with them, mm-hmm. I just really am enjoying them as people mm-hmm. and not just, oh, I enjoy being a mom to these kids. So I have been one of those moms that has loved every season. I really haven't grieved when they started walking, started walking, went to school. Yes. Mm -hmm. I I mean, sure. You have those emotional tears of Mm -hmm. the new milestone, but I have loved every phase and our son turns 12 this week. And then I was thinking, wow, one more year and we will have all All teenagers, teenagers, which makes me feel incredibly old. What is something that you said you would never do as a parent that now you do? Like I know mine is I said I would never mess up my kids' names. Oh. And because when my parents called me the wrong name, I thought, how could you oh. do that? And now I do it oh. all the time. So maybe what that's like a daily thing. <laughs> what, um, what's one thing for you? You know, I, I don't know that I have a specific, but I probably had I if I could rewind 16 years, because that's how old how old our oldest is, and looked into the future. I think I would have predicted I would have been more strict as a parent mm. than I am. I, I know that between Andy and I, and we've laughed, talked, argued <laughs> about the fact that he is more of the rule follower sure. and, and creator, and I am probably more of the grace giver. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it really is funny because if you look at our paths growing up, we were the opposite. For sure. That's funny. He was, um, he probably gave his parents much more a run for their money than I did mine. And yet now he's a little bit more of the strict parent and I'm a little bit more of the the grace giver. (laughs) That is funny. As you and Andy have parented, what is one of the hardest lessons you've learned? Oh, in parenting? Hmm. I know that for me, the hardest thing is to let the kids learn the hard lessons. And thankfully, right so far, we haven't had critical ones, Mm -hmm. but even little things like, no, I'm not bringing your work to school and you forgot it at home. Mm -hmm. That's, that's so hard for me. Again, my mom was a teacher, so school was critically important in our home. And that has been, I think the hardest is to allow them to suffer the consequences. Yeah, because it would be so easy to just say, here it is, but don't do it again. Right. And I I mean, there have been times where I've run something to the school or whatever. Sure. But then there have been times where, I'm sorry, I I cannot and I'm not going to move mountains to make it happen. Mm -hmm. So I hope that the consequence isn't too great. Yeah, and if they can learn on the little ones, then maybe there aren't big ones, right? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. 
And if you were talking to a listener who is going to be a mom or maybe a new mom, mm-hmm. what advice would you give her? Um, to surround yourself with community. I think sometimes it can be easy in the really hard phases. And we're talking from babies to teenage years mm-hmm. to want to try to handle things on your own or to even believe the lie that no one is interested in hearing the struggle that you're going through. Mm. And there are always other moms who are either walking the road with you or more importantly are a phase of life in head of you, ahead of you. That is what I think is critically important is to learn from people who have gone before you. What has worked? What hasn't? Where have you experienced grace? Where have you given grace? And try to in some capacity live life with those people. That is so good. And I can definitely say I've been a personal recipient of many conversations between the two of us Mm -hmm. where we have talked about our daughters who happen to be the same age. Mm -hmm. And you, as soon as you think, I'm not going to share this because it might not be important right? or no one else could be experiencing this. And I share it with you. You immediately meet me there Mm. with something that might really help me in that moment. So I, I can truly agree with that feedback and wish that I would personally do that more. Well, and I think we all have more common ground than we realize. Mm-hmm. Even the struggles that you might think there's no one, there's no way that I'll find anyone else who is mm-hmm. walking the same road with their child. And sure enough. And I think sometimes if we are just aware, God is ushering those people to us. If we just take the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so I'm going to shift gears a little bit to your last year here because you've had a big year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 2020. <laughs> Everybody's favorite year. <laughs> 2020 has been interesting for a lot of yeah. people. But for you, you have become a certified Enneagram trainer. Yeah. <laughs> and you have started a podcast. Yep. And both of those things are very big. Yeah. And they're also really unique. Yeah. So how about let's start with the Enneagram. Why don't you tell us about mm-hmm. your love for this tool and why you wanted to become a trainer? Yeah. I came across it a couple of years ago now when I was just listening to a podcast and I've always loved personality type tools. Mm-hmm. And even in college, you know, you'd sit and you'd take that Myers-Briggs mm-hmm. test or the yep. career placement test or whatever. And when I was exposed to this, I think what intrigued me that I I'd learned about it in the contextualization of faith. And I know that there are a lot of views on this tool. And so I did like a ton of research and I did a lot of listening and reading and things like that. And then I started seeing it show up in the corporate world and its use there as well. So it was something that piqued my interest. And when I started learning about it, um, at the same time, a TED talk had come out that was called It Starts With Why. And I don't know if you've ever listened to that, but it's I haven't. So I'm writing good. it down. Um, it's about a 20-minute TED talk with Simon Sinek, and it's fantastic. If you haven't listened to it, go look it up on YouTube and, and listen. But w- what caught my attention was I felt like this tool is the why behind what. Mm-hmm. So you can take a Myers-Briggs test, and it'll say, oh, you're an extrovert, or you're a thinker, you're a perceiver, you're a feeler. And this... It's what you are. Yes, Mm -hmm. those are what you are. And then this tool tells you why you are that way, what motivates you. And so the whole typing process is um, 
you you're one of nine numbers and each one is very different there's a there are a lot of layers and there is a lot of complexity to it but it is just a useful tool to understand the way someone sees life through a lens that's different than yours Mm -hmm. and when you can see that in the workplace on a team in your home in your home in your marriage Mm -hmm. it it just gives words to a lot of behaviors that in theory help you relate better to those who are around you and you are a I'm a three (laughs) which is the achiever and it's probably why I do a lot of different things and enjoy having my hands in a lot of different pots. And so now that you are... <laughs> I also started a new job this year, too. Right. Oh, yes. How could I forget to have mentioned that? Um, still in the same field, of course, because yes. we were just talking yeah. about that. Uh-huh. But still the same field. With a new company. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. So what now, now that you're a certified trainer in yeah. the Enneagram, what are you planning to do with that? Well... I honestly, I don't know because when I was getting the certification, um, I had used it with my old company in just some like small workshops Mm -hmm. and things like that. And I just love using it as a tool. We've already used it within our church. And so that's probably where I would find this, Mm -hmm. this space to use it. Like I said, all of this change has happened in less than a year of becoming a coach, um, starting the podcast and starting a new job. So I'm not really sure where God is aligning all of those things, Mm -hmm. but they're all tools in my belt. (laughs) They're tucked in. in. That's awesome. Okay. And then tell us about the podcast. So this has not been a something that you just thought up. No, this has been a thing as I've known you for five years that you have been dreaming about for years. We've known each other for five years. I know it's a very long time. And for the majority of our time, you have talked about doing a podcast. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. talk about that. Yeah. I, well, I love, I'm in my car a lot because of my job. And since I'm in my car so much, I listen to podcasts all the time. And there are a couple that I really love. But one thing I had found about a lot of the female voices, especially in the faith space, is that they often interview the same people, which is totally understandable. Someone who has a platform writes a book and then they kind of do a podcast book tour and it makes total sense. But I was finding that because I like to listen to voices that are in a similar circle, I was kind of hearing the same stories. Mm -hmm. And I just thought I have so many people, normal, real life people in my own circle that no one knows but have just as amazing stories. And because I do love to connect people and I love to connect stories to other people, this is such a great way to do that. Mm -hmm. And so it was, I really do feel like it was a stirring that God put on my heart and it just took me a little while to say yes. But after a couple of years of dreaming and planning and vision casting Mm -hmm. with some people like you, yep. It came to life this year. I, I did feel like the time of quarantine gave me the the push the, um, to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it is so surreal sitting here in your <laughs> office that we have talked about that a friend of you helped design. Yeah. And we're talking on these fancy microphones yeah, with our headsets on. It's and it's, it's really neat yeah. to see it come 
full circle for you. Yeah. I love to, when I was checking out some of the reviews, I mean, you've only been a podcast for two months Yeah. Mm-hmm. and you have only five star reviews. Oh, well, and they're probably my friends, <laughs> but that's okay because I feel like having a good friend support group yeah, that share absolutely and and get your podcast out there, the more people that hear it, the more yeah. are going to benefit from it. But I just love some of the words. She's rock solid in her faith, work, and family life. Becky connects with listeners on so many different relatable topics. I mean, there's just so many mm. great things in here. So oh. I know your Enneagram 3 is probably <laughs> loving hearing some of those words. So I'm going to move to the rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Okay, so, I think so. So this week she asked on social media yeah. platforms for people to send in some questions. And so I've got a few of them here. So what is your favorite go-to cozy fall night? Mm. I love a great patio with, well, I, it can't be too cold because <laughs> if anyone knows me, there's a I very, like the warmth. yeah, there's a very small degree level before I'm like, uh, this feels too much like winter. But if, if I can be in long sleeves and jeans around a fire and not be cold on a great patio on these nights that we've been having mm-hmm, recently where mm-hmm. they're just crisp and cool, but not frigid. That's probably my favorite. And the, it can be on a patio. It can be on a rooftop at a restaurant. Um, and we, Andy and I do love to be with friends. So when the company is great, yeah, that's probably, that's probably my best go-to in the that fall. Does, that does sound very cozy. Yeah. What's your favorite takeout food? Oh, I, man, I feel like we've all been getting take, a lot taking, of take, yes, taking a lot, a lot of takeout take food these last months. Um, but you know, we're kind of picky because I do feel like there's nothing like just, if you're going to make the effort to go out for dinner, then just go out for dinner. Our probably consistent thing that everyone in the family loves is probably Chick-fil-A. Everyone's happy with it. Even when it is a little bit cold, it's still good. Yeah. That's probably our go-to. I don't think we, what's your favorite sauce? Oh, the Chick-fil-A sauce. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And listeners, I'm sorry. You're hearing my dog barking in the background. I thought I would keep him quiet, but he's been barking this whole time. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. What is the uh, current book or a book that you've just read? Oh, um, I just read the nightingale. Have you heard of that? No. Oh, I can't think of the author right now, which is terrible. Um, it is so good. It, I don't want to give too much of it away, but it is about two sisters and they were helping that's relevant Jewish people escape during the war and it, it's an intense great read yeah I highly okay, recommend I re- it I'm writing it down the nightingale yeah who does your hair oh um so her name is Kristen Miner and she's one of my friends as well if anyone needs a hairstylist just shoot me a private message and I will get you all of her information. But she's been doing it for a while. Yeah, she's fantastic. I love her. I do love your hair. You always mm-hmm. look very nice. Oh, thank you. Who dresses Andy? <laughs> um, hmm, he doesn't love to shop, but he does care a lot about the clothes that he wears. So I often will shop for him and bring it home mm-hmm. and he either accepts or rejects. 
So most of the time I do pretty well. So you have your hand in it. I have my hand in it. But you're not picking out the outfits. Right. And he does shop for his own shoes. Mm. Yeah. He does like to pick out his own shoes. We have the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have the same style when it comes to that. So, but yeah. My husband also cares a lot about shoes. This I I know. This I I know. (laughs) (laughs) Andy would love his collection of (laughs) shoes for sure. How do you get over the fear of speaking in front of people? Mm, I would say probably exposure Mm -hmm. to doing it. I, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was my parents just put me in. I was in like speech competitions when I was a kid. I was in this huge one that was like the state competition when I was in middle school. Then I was on a speech team in in college. I think it's just exposure. But I also think that some people are wired for it. I'm, you know, and I think the people who aren't, they won't be in positions where they give themselves Mm -hmm. exposure. So, mm-hmm. but I, I, there are times that I still do get nervous. It just depends on who you're in front of. Just, and, well, when yeah, we started start today, this, I was a little bit like, oh. <laughs> that was probably more excitement than oh. it was nervousness. <laughs> okay. And the last one is what word would you use to best describe yourself or words? Hmm. Well, I think the word I would use would be what I would want someone to describe me as. And I, I would hope it would be a friend. Um, whether we've known each other for a long time or maybe even have never met and have just been communicating this Mm -hmm. way through a podcast, I would hope that people can hear my heart and relate to me in a way that if we were sitting together in the same room, we would be friends. Mm, That's awesome. You didn't know that I was going to do this, but I had a couple of your friends give me how they would describe you. And I think the words that came back were so amazing. So I'm going to read some of them. Genuine, caring, compassionate, and thoughtful, Mm. which I all thought bucketed in one. Determined, intentional, purposeful, ambitious, and fearless. Spunky and spicy. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Joyful and magnetic. And then supportive and loyal, which I can truly say is... All of those describe oh, you. Those are kind words. And I'm sure those feel like a birthday gift mm, in themselves. They do. So tell us about your birthday. What are you going to do? Oh, yeah. I'm sure you won't share your age. No. <laughs> but you can <laughs> well, share your plans. I really don't care. Um, I mean, I've been 29 for a really long right. time now. So right. it's probably the time that I'm for sure in the decade where I can't keep saying that I'm 29. <laughs> for sure. Uh so my birthday's tomorrow, which is so fun. And gosh, though, it changes when, I don't know, I think once you are past 40, it's sure. like, mm, not quite the same anymore. But we, I am getting together with some girlfriends and Andy and I are, well, we are, we're on the fence on if just the two of us are going to go out or if we should make it a family affair mm-hmm. and, you know, include our lovely children. children. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, then on Saturday night, it just happens to be that he's in town Andy and I, uh, with some friends are going to go see John Chris. That's awesome. I know. I'm so, I haven't heard him before or watched him perform. Is that what comedians do? Do they perform? They perform, I think. Yeah. Um, but he's going to be here locally and it's my birthday weekend. That's so. awesome. Yeah. So we're going to go see him. It'll be well, fun. And there hasn't been a lot of things open and it's right. starting to slowly open yeah. back up. So, and where we're going there, it's really cool. They're doing, you bought tickets to a table. Mm-hmm. And so you sit with like we're going with one other couple 
And so just the four of us will be at this table. Sure. So it's, it's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, those are the end of the rapid fire yeah. questions, which means we're coming to the close here. So as a listener of your podcast, I know at the end of each episode, you ask your guests two questions. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do the same for you. Mm-hmm. I'm sure this feels so weird. <laughs> you know what the questions I are. What the questions are. <laughs> First, what is a verse that you anchor to where you have seen purpose out of God's promise? Yeah. Uh, there's a verse that I have on my Bible that I've shared before, and it's First Thessalonians 5.24, and it says, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. And I love that promise because so many times we can hear the call and then feel like it's ours to fulfill. And mm. the only thing that we have to do is be obedient to it, and then he carries it out. And I think it relieves a lot of pressure when you know God's asking you to do something, all all truly he's asking for is your obedience and then he will bring it to fruition. So I love that verse. That's great. Okay, and then the second question is, if there was one prayer that you could have answered, what would it be? This is my favorite question that I ask people and the reason I ask it is because I really do pray that we can see all of these be answered in the way that God would have them be. I think my prayer would be that people would see Christ in me. Um, I know that, you know, growing up, especially being in the home that I grew up in, there were for sure times of feeling like an embarrassment. Um, Mm -hmm. Not an embarrassment. That's probably not the word, but not the level of pride of being in a home that was centered around church Mm -hmm. because as a teenager your life is really different and because it's so different you can feel like you're weird or um, that your life is weird and people don't understand it but I want my kids I want this next generation to just see that Jesus changes everything and his call is to not be ashamed of who he is because when people see Christ in you, you, you do look different, but you look different because Jesus looks different from the rest of the world. And so that's my prayer that people would see Jesus in me. That is an amazing prayer. And I can tell you that it's already answered, (laughs) but I understand what you're saying, which is continue to live that out and for yeah. new people to be exposed or to see Christ in a different way yeah. than maybe they have to date. Yeah. Let it be. Let it be. I really think this was so nice to hear from you Aww. from starting at the beginning to, you know, your trip to college to meet your soulmate and <laughs> your journey through ministry together and parenting mm. and some of the fun questions from yeah. the listening group here sure. and finishing up with the standard ones that you ask on your podcast. It's so nice. And I've known you for a while and yeah. I feel like I know you very well and I learned a few things and I Aww. wrote some nuggets down. Aww. So Thank you for allowing me the chance to interview and be on this side Um, of the mic. And what a treat for the listeners to get to hear from you. Well, thank you. And Brandis, you have, people don't know our relationship 
very well, but you've been um, such a gift to me for these last five years. And we've done a lot of ministry together and plan to for, I hope for many years to come. And um, so thanks for being a safe space to ask me all these fun questions. And thanks for being my friend. You bet. Thanks for joining in on another conversation of the Let It Be podcast. I hope you've learned something new about your actual host, Becky, and gotten some questions answered. More importantly, I hope you share in the truth that Jesus changes everything. And just as the verse that Becky mentioned in 1 Thessalonians says, whatever he is calling you to, he will carry it through. Before I go, I want to remind you that you can get the latest information about the Let It Be podcast on all social media platforms at Becky Ziegenfuss. That's Z-I-E-G-E-N-F-U-S-S. I also want you to know how much supporting Becky in this podcast means to her. She monitors the downloads and takes all your feedback to heart each and every week so that she can continue to provide meaningful content in a powerful way. So please keep tuning in and sharing it with your friends and family. We all deserve a little pick-me-up, and this podcast is just that. Have a great week, and happy birthday, Becky.